This is CliffCentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of The Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel today is Leandi Stretter, a business coach and guide from RaceCorp. Welcome, Leandi. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for being with us. Last week, we spoke about the role of ethics training. And remember our hashtag, keep ethics alive, hashtag keep ethics alive, a critical component of our world uh, at the moment, so many uh, comments and negative things going on around us. Keep ethics alive. Hashtag one word. Today's theme, we are going to be doing something a little different. Uh, we're breaking uh, from the tradition of, of the show, and we're going to be changing the show structure slightly for today. We're going to be doing a book review uh, for the first time on, on the Business Masterclass, and we're going to be reviewing a book entitled Snapshot Your Business, a Simple Legal Guide for Entrepreneurs, written by a lady by the name of Manisha Prem, who's joining us in studio. Welcome, Manisha. Thank you. Now, for those, and Manisha is a returning guest. She's been with us once before as an expert in the space. Uh, Manisha is an international deal maker, commercial advisor, business specialist, entrepreneur, commercial law attorney, and founder of Mprem Inc., but most importantly, an author. <laughs> Manisha, thank you for taking the time to be with us and for this inaugural business, uh, uh, business book review. So give us a little bit of a background on Manisha, just for those who didn't listen to our previous show. Tell us a little bit about you. Give us the three-minute version. Firstly, I'm, I consider myself an entrepreneur, and I, I was exposed to business at a young age in my life and assisting my mom with her little home business. And then I became a lawyer. And then I became an investment banker, but wow. then I still remained a business owner and entrepreneurial uh, in many ways. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was actually um, heading towards more commercial um, trading and a business mindset rather than legal. So um, I did train academically and formally as a lawyer and was admitted as an attorney in, in 2001. And however, my skills have been about um, developing business skills through various enterprises that I have owned mm -hmm. and been involved with from deal making as well. Okay. So I guess the question then is, so why a book, Manisha? <laughs> why a book? Because that's not the, the most comfortable things to have to do as, as a entrepreneur writing things down and creating that content isn't, isn't, I guess, the first love that we would all have. I, I, I would not see myself as an author, so yes. <laughs> let's just put that out there. Why a book? So in the past six or seven years, I've been working closely with small business owners. And every time I had a conversation with a business owner, they said to me, I wish I knew that. I right. wish I can take that away with me. And I started to train and work with uh, young entrepreneurs more often. And I wanted to give them something to take away with them, something that was graphically appealing, um, that was easy to understand, but it's included the full spectrum of 
commercial law, deal making, and understanding it bus- understanding business from my perspective. So I buckled down and everything that was in my head, I put it onto paper, and then I got a really good graphic designer and editor, <laughs> and got everybody to. Um, and, and, yeah, and my understanding is this book is self-published, so yes. it's a self-published piece of work, and it's available. Uh, we'll talk about availability a little later, uh, right at the end of the show. But as I understand it, one of the things that you do with the book is you use it, let me call it, as you engage with the, your wider audience in various forums, etc. So that's uh, it's always good to have something that one can refer back to. Um, I think often we, we go through life and you kind of go, oh, I know that issue, right. but where did I hear that? And having a, uh, let's call it the reference manual, is always really handy to have. I, I was going to say, the, the one thing, it sounds like you, your desire to contribute to the wider body of knowledge is very similar to one of some of the reasons why Liane and I sit in, the, in the studio here today. We want to do simple, uh, similar things, except I'd rather have it on a podcast and be able to just talk it through than have to sit down and write it down. Well, one of the things, Richard, I really love about this is it's a simple read. And I think mm. for entrepreneurs, it's visually appealing. It's simple. It's something you can flick through. I look forward to um, the rest of our discussion today um, with regards to the specific chapters. I've already identified some juicy questions I'd like to ask you. Um, but, yeah, it's so easy to use and it's so to the point. And the visual is great. Mm. It's simple and to the point. Yeah, well, well to that and, and to get into the book itself, I think for me the first part that just really kind of grabbed my attention as I opened the first few pages and on the first page was this road, literally a road map, uh, walking you through the 14-odd the chapters mm. in the book. Um, so for the purposes of, of our listeners, what we're going to be doing is there's 14 chapters in the book. We're going to cover the first few uh, the first seven, six or seven odd chapters in the first part of our podcast. And then if you download the second part of the podcast or listen to the second part of the show, you're then going to pay, pick up the balance of, of the chapters in the book. So we're going to split the show into two parts today. So for me, uh, the, the book does actually start as a bit of a, it is a journey and, and that's mm, quite clear, clear both in the way it's illustrated and, and the way life does progress in business. So if I look at you know, chapter one per se, um, you know, it, it's entitled Turning the Scales um, and How to Use the Law to Your Advantage in Business. And, you know, as I as I looked at that chapter, the thing that, that, that really stuck out for me is the importance of, of law in, in, in a business. And you use the analogy of a bus. And I, I was really interested in this bus analogy. So I'd like us to talk about that analogy. And I'd like you to, t- Manisha, to take us through that analogy on, on the, of the bus and the different parts of the bus. Because I think that for me crystallized in my, in my mind, um, a lot about where, where that legal framework fits in and where law fits into this business journey. So the whole point of chapter one on talking about it's about turning the, the, the scales is about accepting for the reader to accept that law is a critical part of business. And very often as entrepreneurs, we're focused on product and services and renew, revenue generation, marketing. And we only look at law as a last resort if and when things go, go wrong. wrong. Yes. yes. My, um, the whole objective with the book is for entrepreneurs to accept and understand that law should be applied as a preventative measure 
and not as an afterthought when mm. things start going wrong. Mm. And the whole book is presented in that format to say, let's start when we are establishing ourselves, let's consider law as one of the pillars of uh, of business. And a sustainable business at that. Yes, sustainable. And and, and the whole point is that the, the objective of the book is for the entrepreneur to accept and understand that if you focus on this as a as a foundation from the beginning, it has a preventative effect. So you, you, you don't suffer as many losses, the risks, you are continuously aware of them, mm. and you become more of a, a jack of all trades, right. which is what you need to be as an entrepreneur. Mm. So the bus, I'm glad you liked it because I've been criticized for using this analogy as it being too simplistic. But, um, I mean, I'm not trying to, um, Insults or, you know, in anyone, but I believe that using some kind of vehicle hmm. to understand the difference between, um, an entity, a legal jurist, an illegal, um, being, being a, like a PTY or a CC or a trust and a bus or, um, any kind of vessel in which you put your products and services and your activities. It's critical, um, and it clarifies separation of assets it clarifies where compliance and governance sits it also helps entrepreneurs to visualize the difference between what happens in the vessel and outside the vessel an example of that is that typically we do not differentiate between directors and shareholders as small business owners Mm -hmm. and I always explain it as a director is someone that is driving the bus that is on the bus mostly as executive directors, you are employed and you are responsible for the functioning and movement and the journey of that bus. And as shareholders, Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily sit in the bus. We can be clouds in the sky passing by and we've, we are, um, we have an interest and a stake or, um, some kind of position where we have an interest in the activities of the bus, but we're not, directly involved in it and we have to be able to differentiate when it comes to governance as to what happens in the bus and what happens outside so that's the reason for the analogy i like it because it's very practical yeah you you know you don't there's no blurring of the lines it's not so academic or intellectual that Mm. you know there is a there's a gray area around what it is or what it isn't. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a very practical thing that I think especially small businesses and small business owners can relate to in a big way. Yeah. And not just the, the owners of the business, like the, you know, key staff, management teams, et cetera, that are yes. busy, you know, jack of all trades, their hands are everywhere. You know, it's about driving revenue, creating a smooth operation. It's something that's practical and useful for everyone in the business mm. where it's necessary. Now, if I can move you to the next part, because I think the two are really well connected, and maybe at at this point I should point out to people, we have two copies of the book available. At the end of part one of the of the show, we're actually going to ask our audience uh, some uh, a question, and we're going to offer the opportunity for two members of the audience to actually tweet back. The response to that question uh, on the TFT South Africa Twitter account. So that would be at TFT South Africa. Okay. 
And once we've given out that question and we get a response, we will then uh, post the show. We'll identify who the two lucky winners are, and we'll then be communicating directly with them. We'll get details and uh, send through the um, uh, send through through those two copies of those those books. So yeah, people are incentivized to listen to <laughs> to the conversation. Okay, now. One of the things that that you you start off with, and and I guess it's it's actually quite, um, I guess it's a it's a jarring way to to start a conversation, but it, it, it's so relevant. Is you start in chapter two, after you use the analogy of the bus, um, with the the comment of the six sins that can sink your business. Now, I looked at those six sins and I thought to myself, my goodness, I, I think many people would would look at these and go i can tick one if not more of those as something i've had to face as an entrepreneur so i'd like to just take a few moments to just go through those six sins not in a lot of detail but just and some of them are dealt with in a little bit more depth elsewhere but i'd just like you to take us through manisha the six sins and perhaps a minute on each one just to tell us why it's an issue and why these six sins are so important so the, the sins set out in Chapter 2 are based on my experience with entrepreneurs over the past few years and the cause for complaints, cause for breakdown and losses in business. And the first is um, dealing with relationships, um, dealing with uh, formalizing relationships and formalizing structures. So this deals with understanding what your legal entity is, what the powers and limitations are. So whether it's a CC or a PTY or even as a sole trader to understand um, what the limitations are, but also what you, what your rights are. Mm. And um, we also don't understand very often as business owners, what we, what we, you know, in terms of these vehicles, how we can use that to safeguard us in the event of things going wrong. So if you do have a PTY limited to understand what your rights are in the event of the business not actually working out. So winding up a business, liquidation, uh, signing contracts. And because that formal structure has a character or a personality yeah. of its own that we should be aware of. And I think that is so important, especially as businesses evolve. Some of us have started off as CCs and then, you know, as the legislation has tra- changed and so forth, it's time to um, move into a PTY um, setup. And then, you know, what is the what is the legal framework pertaining to that? And it's so important to, to be knowledgeable of, you know, what are the protection factors? And then what are the, what to do when things go wrong in that capacity when you've moved to that entity? Sure. So just on CCs and PTYs, just to know that there's no reason why you can't continue on a CC and you can run a very large mm. business on it. The limitations are that if you're trying to establish an organizational structure where you're owning shares and equity and into right. other entities and then the CC has some serious limitations. Yeah. Okay, the the second is um, dealing with um, contracts. Now, for me, this is the number one complaint. <laughs> All relationships are contractual, mm. um, you know, whether it's personal or business. Right. We have some form of agreement, whether it is with our spouses, with our children, with our pets, where they are understandings. They are in. They are in. I call it a dance. For every right, there's an obligation. So every time you push forward, someone needs to push backwards. There's an, a right and an obligation. 
in a promise and a duty mm. in every single relationship. And um, especially in business, those agreements need to be reduced in writing. And this for me isn't, I have seen in my experience, is a breakdown in relationships is the number one reason why businesses fail. It's not due to lack of access to markets or capital. It's, you know, those kind of things come as you grow. But if you're not documenting and securing your relationships with your shareholders, your partners, your staff, your suppliers, your customers, you will eventually uh, lose your business. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think the the one thing that you know everybody says no job's done till the paperwork's complete, uh, and that just yeah that just speaks volumes. Third third one is we just don't negotiate. I'm not sure why we don't ask for more and understand what we would like to do um, more of or less of and compromise in order to get more of what we are wanting. So an example would be to ask for more income, to ask for better access to cash, mm-hmm. ask for better terms. Um, and we're not reading the contracts. Mm-hmm. So we're That's not able to negotiate because we don't know what's in the contract. Yeah. Okay. So reading the fine print is really Reading the fine print, and we're going to talk about that a little later. The next one is knowing legislation. So for some reason, we shy away from the law because we think only lawyers need to know about law. Mm. Mm. But as business owners, I say we're not um, jack of all trades and masters of none. We are masters of all. And that's the legal standard that's applied to entrepreneurs. We are... You know, our the measure is that we're being measured as someone that's no, you meant to know law, you meant to know finance, you meant to know marketing. So for some reason, we don't know which legislations, and we're not complying with them. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we have the fifth, which is um, the five and five, five and six are related. Is that for some reason um, we don't ever prepare for failure. So <laughs> I always ask my we're, we're going to be perfect in everything we do <laughs> Exactly And I always ask everyone I mean my clients I mean when was the last time you had a perfect day But did you plan And they say well it's been a while But you didn't plan for if things went wrong So you need to do um, scenario planning Mitigating for risk Which is future uncertainties In the event of loss of income In the event of going to the CCMA How would you be best prepared? Because you're going to be at the CCMA. Um, You're going to have disputes with your partners, with your etc. And then finally, the last one is that we also need to prepare when things go really well. Um, You know, we need to get those shareholders agreements signed up front, so there's Mm. no, you know, expectations that are not met or um, structures that cannot uh, accommodate growth in business, um, etc. That is so important. I I think, you know, people always say, oh, well, you need the paperwork for when it goes wrong. Mm. You also need to know what the paperwork is like when things are going really well because, unfortunately, then it becomes a case of, okay, so let's agree how the spoils of war are are Mm. split. And there can be as much unhappiness about spoils of war and and the upside as there is on the downside when there's risk involved. Now – Let's talk a little about the the whole choice of name 
and and legal entity that one that one gets into because in chapter three you you know you say it's important to choose the right entity and we've had a show where we talk about the importance of you know PTYs CCs I don't want to get into the legal element of you know picking which one is you know well now you can't pick a CC so it is a PTY and the new companies act and should you use a trust etc there's some nuances there but what I found really interesting in the book was the question around the right name. And how important that is. And I'd like to just delve into that for, for a moment. Why is, why do you make a point about the name? Because for me, I, I think that's the, you know, people are very attached to what they call their business. Why is the naming so, why is naming so important, Manisha? So from a legal perspective, and I think Landry can talk us through from a marketing and a branding perspective, from a legal perspective, um, Identity is critical because you need to be separated um, from um, from others. So there's no ambiguity as to who you are. Mm. So you don't want to call yourself Apple, you know, because you're deliberately um, um, misleading the market. And that in itself has legal repercussions and you can be held liable yeah. for deliberately misleading. I, I, I was going to say, I mean, the one thing that I, I, I can say is, I mean, I discovered the other day um, somebody was doing a Google AdWord campaign and they were using the name of a client oh in goodness. the na- – so they're a competitor and they were using the client's name in their – you know, it, 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 it's, it, it's kind of like Samsung using Apple equivalent in, hmm. in their ad campaign. You just – you don't do this. Um, so protecting yourself and protecting name is important. Making sure you don't infringe on somebody else's is as important, I guess. Very important. And as you grow, uh, you may think I'm a small business owner in the small part of a town out in the outskirts of wherever. And um, you think, well, it's not going to make a difference if I call myself uh, Samsung-ish, you know, and add something to it. And and even though you haven't registered it at the CIPC because you wouldn't get away with registering it at the CIPC, it would be blocked Mm. in the first place. Mm -hmm. But And then as you start growing and then you become a real competitor Mm -hmm. and then you start attracting attention, someone's going to come after you in one way or the other. Mm. Now, Manisha, I want to swing this to the next chapter because the two are really closely connected in this whole question of I mean, in Chapter 4, you talk about correctly packaging and labeling your offering, you know, the signed, sealed, and delivered. Making sure that you actually, what you promise and what you say you're going to do, you actually execute on is what is the, is the firm message I got from reading that chapter. And I, I, I think for me, um, there is huge risk in what I call selling the sizzle but not the steak. Um, and, and we see that so many times. I mean, how many times uh, I, I must I always laugh, you know, you look at the on the menu. I mean, the menu is the classic one of, you know, you look at it and it arrives on your plate and you go, but that's not the same thing that was on the menu. Um, but I mean, that's a, I mean, and everybody in the restaurant business knows this, but, but in, in business, you can't afford to be pulling a restaurant maneuver. Um, if you say to a client, Hey, I'm going to deliver you 10, don't deliver nine. Because you are going to end up in, in, in trouble. Talk to us a little about that whole importance of packaging and labeling your offering. I mean, it goes with your name. I mean, the two are synonymous. Yes. It goes with the name, but it also goes with the journey of entrepreneurship. So the whole thing with the book and the journey is that once you've established your formalized structures, you've got your name, you've got the foundations in place. If you 
you obviously have a product or service that needs to go to market and that needs to be packaged adequately. Now, this is highly, highly regulated. We don't know this, but besides the Consumer Protection Act and mm. other consumer legislation, there's quite a few gazetted regulations that come out quite often and it's highly, highly regulated. So we need to know specifically if we are supplying water, if we are supplying perishable goods, if we are dealing with anything that is non-standard, what are the limitations of what you can and cannot do about packaging. But I think more importantly, if you know what your customers' rights are, right. then you have a duty to um, to make sure that, that, that you are within those limitations. So if you know, an example would be the Consumer Protection Act mm-hmm. yeah. and what a consumer's rights are, then you have certain obligations to make sure that that information has, has been is, is available to them. Extra. Yes. I mean, I, I think back to the whole, um, you know, I'm sitting here looking at the bottles of water on the studio desk and I think to myself, I remember the big drama about people bottling water and calling it bottled water and it's you know is this bottled at you know what is bottled at source you know mm. source could be the tap in my garden right. it's still bottled at source and people you know claiming certain things and you know there was a whole lot of move around you know you have to now display on the bottle properly its chemical composition and it's the values of ph and all the other elements that, that are in it so yeah i think getting that fine print right and, and knowing and understanding exactly what you are and aren't doing is critical now you also talk further on in the uh, in the book and i mean you, you we talk about and you have all of the Fine prints around, you know, the important laws in in the in a business, and I don't want us to belabor it and go through like literally law by law by law. But I think for me, the one that always comes to the the fore is the whole thing around the consumer, so the Consumer Protection Act, and making sure that you're complying with the Companies Act, the New Companies Act. I have seen many examples of companies that are actually, you know, they, they're not paying their bills, for example, and they forget that, they, you know, people always go, oh, well, what are you going to do? Liquidate me. Well, actually, no. I just don't go to sell C, um, to, to Sip C, sell C, Sip C, and I go, I go to Sip C and I say, hey, um, the, this company can't meet its obligations as they fall due. Please, you know, deregister the entity. Huge risk. Huge risk out there. Okay, so now one of the things is you talk about the contracts that we should have signed in the business. What are some of those contracts that should be signed? <laughs> is this going to be a a twenty minute conversation there, Manisha? Are you worrying about? Yes. Yeah, so contracts are huge issues with uh, small business owners. For some reason, we shake hands and we kind of get on with um, selling and collecting money and, mm. you know, making the logo and making us look good, but we don't actually have the contracts in place. So the typical contracts in my experience, the number one is your shareholders agreement. If you have more than one shareholder and particularly if you have one minority and majority, you have to protect the li- rights of each other. I have had clients that have come to me 20, 30 years down the line. They claim to have been shareholders and the one claims that, well, you were actually employed by me, and mm. you don't have a right uh, to the <laughs> that, 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 That's a little bit of a moment. You know, I think I'm a shareholder, but you're actually an employee. That's, that, there's a big difference there. Yes. Yeah. The second type of and the most common is um, 
supply contracts. Mm. So yeah, yes. very much. Absolutely, yeah. there's yeah, a lot of critical. blurriness around that. Yes, yeah, so it's it's um, supply of services and goods, and um, dealing with um, bullies in the market. Mm. You call, you know, you think you're a small player. You're not negotiating. You're not talking. You're mm. not reading. You're not speaking up. You don't know. You're accepting contracts that you may not be able to comply with, and you can't actually deliver. So supply contracts are, are, are a biggie. And the third is, um, in my opinion, is employment contracts. So we kind of get them wrong um, with establishing the types of contracts, whether you're in a fixed term, a permanent, or whether you're dealing with a pure independent supplier of services. Okay, great. Okay, Manisha, thank you very much for your insights in the first part of the program. We're going to take an ad break at this point. We'll be back shortly with the second part of the program. Stay with us. This is CliffCentral.com.